Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. billion. Boom. Welcome to the last live show of 2023. Our first live show was the first show we did after last year's Christmas break. We started live at 8 a.m. And you've all been with us every step of the way, grown every day. More people watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Thank you for everything this year. We're going to keep going, but we still have a show today. And then next week, you're going to get three mailbag episodes. But let's now get into a show because last night I was minding my own business, had a glass of wine, went out to dinner, getting ready for the show before the call with Coco. We do the call. We're ready to lead off with rule changes in Major League Baseball. We've got a whole bunch of things we want to get to. And then I start watching Reacher season two, and then beep, beep, ring, ring, beep, beep. When things happen like that late at night, either someone's croaked, which is never positive, or there's breaking news, which is normally positive. I got CBS calling, get on the air, Coca, Yamamoto signed. He couldn't have signed. Who did he sign with? Didn't sign with the Dodgers. Aaron Boone just told us that Aaron Boone gave him a jersey. Brian Cashman flew all the way to Japan. They had scouts on every start. Steve Cohn whipped over, zipped over, jetted over to Japan on his private plane. I suggest or suppose refueling, maybe not necessary, though likely necessary. Then they had a dinner. The poor Red Sox, only one meeting. The Blue Jays, maybe they're a player. Giants, all of their eggs are in the middle chips in the basket, mixed metaphor on December 22nd, 2023. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles signed Shohei Otani to a contract that has annoyed everybody in the game, but they're paying Otani $2 million. So they said, we have an idea. We need pitching, which is true because we told you after the Otani signing, hey, that's a great DH signing. Congrats. You have a great lineup, no doubt. You put Betts Freeman and uh, Will Smith and Shoya Otani back to back to back to back. You got yourself the 27 Yankees, maybe. But who's going to throw the ball? So there's this Japanese player who played for Oryx. He waited. Oryx is the team when we went to Japan. Anyway, it's a different story. So in Japan, the rule is that if you don't wait until you're 25, it's, there's a bunch of rules, but just say it's 25 years old. If you don't wait and you come to Major League Baseball, you're not, you get international slot money. Remember when Otani could only get like $5 million signing bonus because it all had to be what teams had for their international slot money. 
Then there's something called a posting system. A posting system is when you are an actual free agent and a team in Japan lets you go to Major League Baseball, but the team gets paid and it's based on a formula. The more money the player gets, the more money the team gets. So the rumors were that Yamamoto was a 25 year old. He had won Japan's version of the Cy Young three years in a row. He never gives up home runs, has amazing command, four plus pitches, a curveball that'll bend your knee and make you cry. Above average fastball, 99 pinpoint control, healthy, happy, the size of Pedro Martinez. Don't know if you knew that. He's 5'10", small guy, like even smaller than Roy Oswalt. Yeah, bring him in, put him toward the top of the rotation. We'll give him a couple hundred mil. But then you started all these teams getting involved and it went to 220, to 250, to 300, $300 million. There is no way that Yamamoto deserves to get more money than any other pitcher has ever gotten in free agency. It makes no sense. So there's no way he's gonna get to Cole's number of 324. That would be absurd. The buzzing, the ringing, and then I had to check my eyes. I had to put on the 1.5s and it said 325 for 12 years. And I started thinking, where have I heard that number before? Yamamoto's agent is a man named Joel Wolf. Joel Wolf, who I've told you is one of the top one or two agents in all of baseball. Joel Wolf has a client named Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton was signed by us to a 13 year, $325 million contract, which at the time was the largest contract ever given out in baseball. So I'm looking at 12,325 for a 25 year old, 12 years, that's 37. There's no way a pitcher can get 12 years, no pitcher. Well, maybe the Verlander deal was fine. The Scherzer deal original was fine, but 12 years, it's a unicorn. 325 million, why do I know that number? Wait a minute, Garrett Cole got 324. Oh my God, Joel Wolf, you did it. You get to announce 325, just like your fellow agent Naz got to announce 700 million for Otani. Except we all know it's not 700 million. So he's going all peacock on 700 when everyone knows it's about 460. Nothing to sneeze at, hachu-hachu, but not 700. But he's a position player and a pitcher, sort of. But getting 325 for an only pitcher, you just got yourself a record. And the Dodgers just did the most unbelievable FU to the rest of baseball. So let me bring you inside rejection. Before we get to the excitement of the sign, let me bring you inside the rejection because there's two ways you get rejected. The first way is when you see it on Twitter that a player you wanted has signed somewhere else. That is fine. Teams generally don't get upset by that. If it's a mid-level, lower level free agent, it is what it is, things move fast, no problem. But when you're at the top of the market, you get a phone call. You get a phone call from the agent. Joel Wilf for sure called up the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Blue Jays. Did he call him up just to say, hey, we're going a different direction, I'm sorry. Oh no, please don't do that. I've, I've been on this side of the call too. Wait, are you sure? 
Cespedes is going to the A's. Is there any way? What if we offered like five more million dollars? Would that get it done? Nye's really decided, well, but if you go six million more, wait, so we're still negotiating? We gave you our last and best final offer. Yeah, but if I move a little bit, is there a chance that Mr. Yamamoto will change his mind? Joe Wolf then said to the teams, no, there's really nothing you can do. He's got a deal. He's got a deal with the Dodgers. It's going to be announced shortly. Brian Cashman gets the call. His first call is to Hal Steinbrenner. His second call is to Aaron Boone. They have a phone call because then Aaron Boone calls the pitching coach because they were all involved. Brian Cashman calls his development people, his player personnel people. And what you're saying is, great job. We just didn't get it, but we're going to be fine. Let's talk about what we're doing now. And you immediately pivot to the now. We've watched the Giants do it. They pivot right to the overpay. When you are desperate and you think you're getting a deal done with a player and then you're informed that you're not getting the player, you feel as though you have to do the immediate pivot. So the Yankees get the call. And then the call goes to David Stearns or does it go to Stephen Cohn? My money says it goes to Stephen Cohn directly. Joe Wolf calls up Stephen Cohn and says, just want to tell you we have great respect for everything you're doing. We appreciate your offer. However, Mr. Yamamoto was more comfortable on the West Coast and he's gonna stay on the West Coast. But thank you, you made it really hard. You have a great organization building a great team and you've really, you really had him. And then Joe Wolf hangs up, Steve Cohn hangs up, throws something against the wall because owners, as a general matter, don't like getting rejected. Owners, as rich as they are and successful as they are, have gotten where they are by getting what they want more than half the time, more than three quarters of the time, sort of like 99.9% .9 of the time, which of course can lead to troubles in the front office and can lead to like Daniel Snyder type things. But when you have a bit of narcissism, which all owners have, I mean, who doesn't? When you've got an ego the size of Grand Central, that's normal, most owners do, and you feel you've got the deepest pocketbook of all the owners, which Steve Cohn has, you would expect when you want a player, you're gonna get the player. Because you never wanna feel, wow, the player's not choosing me? Except when you're looking at Yamamoto and this whole free agency bonanza, this whole journey that was taken, don't you get the feeling sometimes that it was always gonna be the Dodgers? Do you ever get the feeling that he didn't wanna be anywhere but the West Coast? And all of the rumors out, does he wanna be teammates with Otani, does he not? Do the Dodgers have the money? Do they wanna do it? Andrew Freeman doesn't do contracts like this. I guess he can't say that anymore. Andrew Freeman used to be able to say he doesn't sign pitchers to long-term deals, but now to multi, multi-year, he did the Bauer three-year deal, that went well. Maybe that was a four-year deal. Either way, doesn't go above five years, let's say, for pitchers. Now what Andrew Freeman will have to say at this press conference, and they're gonna have a press conference and we're not gonna do an emergency podcast. We're not gonna be live on the air because Coca and I are taking off for the week. We'll be back January 2nd. But I promise you when Yamamoto is announced, Andrew Friedman will say something like this. First of all, I just wanna thank Joe Wolf and the entire crew around Yamamoto and tell you that this is a special kid. You don't have players like this come around more than once in your career. And the support that I got from Mark Walter and Stan Kasten and the rest of the ownership group 
to really stretch to a place that we've been unwilling to go shows you what we think about this player. And we did our homework. We saw him pitch. We spent multiple hours with him. And we are confident that he will be a productive player through the length of the contract. Mr. Friedman, are you concerned at all about this length? No, not at all. This is a gamble and a bet that is absolutely backed by analytics, numbers, my brain, my eyes, and all of my years of experience that he will pitch for us for 12 years. And what I'll be saying in the background while sipping a pina colada and making love in the rain, horse hockey. Yamamoto has no chance to give you 30 starts a year for 12 straight years because pitchers can't do that. There will be an injury somewhere down the line. I'm not rooting for it. I'm not hoping for it. Is there a chance that he ends up not being a top of the rotation pitcher? Of course there is. Succeeding in Major League Baseball is very difficult. Now, granted, you're the best in Japan, but even the best in the US have a hard time sustaining that. Count on your fingers the number of pitchers who have been aces for multiple, multiple years. Remember the great year of Jack Flaherty? The great year of Alec Manoa? Those are just the two recent ones I can think of. Who are they? It's sort of only Verlander and Scherzer. Who else right now has had sustained greatness? Eight, nine, 10 years. Coke, am I missing somebody? Maybe someone's live in the chat could tell me. Is there a pitcher who's been around a decade who has been a top of the rotation pitcher since 2013? Hmm. So the Dodgers are using their financial flexibility, their financial muscle, and their bullying tactics. They have spent more money notionally than the rest of baseball combined on free agents by bringing in Yamamoto and Shohei and the extension given to Glasnow. $1.16 billion, all so I could get a wait to see wrong. Yep, on November 21st, 2023, I told you that Yamamoto was gonna sign with the Mets. I assumed that would be the case. That's why it was a wait to see. And I promised all year that I'd revisit all my wait to sees that are wrong. All right, that one was wrong. Yamamoto on the Dodgers. Kershaw is a good example, Coca. Kershaw has been dominant for a decade. That's very good. So I guess the Dodgers saw that and said, oh, he must be like Clayton Kershaw. <sighs> God, is there gonna be a fight between owner and labor and owner and owner? Baseball just knows it. They know it. They're gonna allow the contract to Yamamoto. Of course, they're going to allow it. The Yankees are gonna have to deal with the fact that they didn't get Yamamoto. The Phillies are gonna have to deal with that fact. Let's see how many people overpay for Blake. I'll give you a five Snell or Jordan. I've been really good when it matters, Montgomery. If I am the president of the Milwaukee Brewers, I am trading Corbin Burns, make no mistake. If I'm Jerry Reinsdorf, who I'm not, I am trading Dylan Cease because these teams that didn't get Yamamoto or Otani need pitching. Now's the time to fleece them right now because owners are angry, desperate, and it's Christmas time. And at Christmas time, you are right around the corner from spring training time. And there are owners looking at their rotation saying, ooh, that's not good enough. And guess what? They're right. Blake Snell, Cy Young Award winner. I wonder, 
Isn't it such a Phillies move for them to overpay Blake Snell? Bring him in, give him $200 million, make Nola feel like crap for only getting like 170 early on? We'll see what happens. I'm not doing a wait to see on that. So the reason I'm telling you that the collective bargaining in 2026 is going to be difficult. And the reason I'm telling you that is Rob Manfred has a problem. And the problem he has is not with Tony Clark. The problem he has is with owners v. owners. And once you get your owners in line, which is going to take a lot of work, Dan Helm is going to be up to here. He's the deputy commissioner in charge of negotiating agreements. He's going to be up to here. Dan Helm, the guy who did arbitration for us when he was just a young lad. He was a lawyer at Proskauer and that's good scouting by us. Larry Beinfest and I did very well picking out Dan Hallam just as a little associate, young associate to do our arbitration. And look at him now, I'm like a proud daddy. So once the owners stop fighting, then they're gonna have to deal with Tony Clark. Do you remember when the last CBA was announced and there was something called the competition committee? And I told you I was on the competition committee and we did whatever we want. We came up with different rules, different thoughts, and then it would be approved by the Baseball Rules Committee, which was headed by Sandy Alderson, but it was perfunctory. But then as part of the CBA, there was a new competition committee, and I laughed my kishkas off. Six owners, four players, one umpire. Six owners, one, two, three, four, five, six. Four players, one, two, three, four, that's 10. One umpire because we want everybody involved in anything that the competition committee does. But every vote of the competition committee is a majority vote. Let me quickly do the math. 10 divided by two is five. One plus five is six. <gasps> you only need six votes to do anything. Wait a minute, so if all six owners vote the same way, which they always will, because you never put a vote before a committee when you don't know what the final result of the vote will be ever, it doesn't matter what the players think. It doesn't matter what the players vote. So yesterday, Major League Baseball announced a bunch of rule changes. And wouldn't you know, the competition committee voted and all four players voted no. And it didn't mean a tinker's darn it. Zero. Which forced Tony Clark to call up his PR guy and say, we're gonna need a statement. And I'm gonna have to make it very clear that I'm less than happy with this competition committee. I just gotta read you what he said because it's so good. Commenting on the fact that all player representatives voted against the proposed rule changes. And I'm gonna get to what they are in a minute, but they're not even that important. Tony said, as they made clear in the competition committee, players strongly feel, I like that. When you're in a meeting and somebody's doing something you don't want them to do, you can do this. You know, I have a different thought here. I don't know that we should go from 20 seconds to 18 with the runner on base. Well, but we want to save five minutes, Max. It's not Max anymore, but just pretend it's Max. Or just say Scott Boris, because that's really who it is always. Yeah, but I got to tell you, I, I, I'm worried about injuries. No, we've thought about that, and we're studying that. But we really do feel like this makes sense. And we're going to change mound visits from five to four because fans hate mound visits and they're a ridiculous waste of time. And on top of that, we're going to stop teams from having pitchers warm up and then not face anyone because you go commercial, then warm up, then they get replaced because of a pinch hitter. Side note, Coca, I've been talking about that rule change for a decade. Just announce it. Be forced to announce this was my motion that got denied. 
I want pitch hitters announced right at the end of the previous half inning. Then I want the pitching change to happen. Then I want the new hitter to replace the pinch hitter. And then I want the new pitcher. Or do what mates baseball did yesterday. Pitchers, when they come in to warm up before an inning, have to face one hitter. Hell yeah. How do you feel about that, guys? Well, I got to tell you, I strongly disagree. But to do that, you have to raise your voice. And then to put in a statement, you have to make sure that the players are on board with how strongly you disagree. Players strongly feel that following last season's profound changes to the fundamental rules of the game, Tony, really? What are you, Shakespeare? Those changes were profound. The pitch clock, epic. It's like we're screwing with atoms and amoebas and particles. We've discovered gravity profound. We're sports, folks. We're entertainment. There's nothing profound about what we do, despite what we all say. Following last season's profound changes to the fundamental rules of the game, immediate additional changes are unnecessary and offer no meaningful benefits to fans, players, or the competition on the field. Says who, Tony? We've got a bunch of fans who are in focus groups who say they don't like mound visits. We've got a bunch of broadcasters who pay us money that we then overpay to your union members that say we want crisper, shorter games. So I believe that may not be accurate. He then said, because the way to really curry favor with the media and with fans, just talk about injuries because we all care so much about injuries. Except what Tony doesn't realize is owners care more about injuries than you do. You the fan, you the media, you the union owners care way more about injuries. But the statement ended with, this season should be used to gather additional data and fully examine the health, safety, and injury impacts of reduced recovery time. And that is where our focus will be. I feel like playing music. Do we have any music we can play? Like very dun, 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 like pompous sort of banging, not like Leonard Bernstein music, but sort of like boom. Tell me what you mean exactly, Tony, that what are you focusing on? On the impact? Wow, that sounds a lot like what Scott Boris had Max Scherzer say, that all these injuries are all because of the lack of recovery between pitches. Hmm, it has nothing to do with the fact that you're all trying to throw a buck too, does it? It has nothing to do with anything other than the pitch clock? What's your proof of that? Any? How many people, how many times... How many pitchers were in violation of an 18-second pitch clock with a runner on base? Where's that in your statement, Tony? It's a meaningless percentage. This change is a joke. You want to really change the game? Bring it down to 15 and 10. Let's have violations every month and get thick. Ball four, on base, strike three. See you later. Get in the box. You want to be there with eight seconds? I want you there with 12 seconds, and I want the pitch clock to be 10 seconds. The number of pitchers who violated the 18 second, it was nothing. So what are we talking about? Here's what we're talking about. Labor war. The reason why Tony has to do a statement like that is he has to make it clear that he doesn't like baseball instructing the union what it's going to do. 
He doesn't like baseball having that power, though he signed an agreement that gave baseball that exact power. And for whatever reason, Tony and his minions thought that four players on the competition committee would actually matter. What he didn't realize is all of the work of the competition committee is done without the players, without the umpire. It's done in the commissioner's office. They call the six owners. They give John Sherman, not John Sherman, John Stanton, not John Stanton. I think it's John Stanton who is the chairman of that committee. They tell them what's gonna happen. All six owners are on board. They're all a yes to what they're gonna be yeses for or a no to what they're gonna be no's for. And then they go have the meeting. The meetings are meaningless. The committee is meaningless. The rule changes, good for baseball. Do you think that Rob Manford didn't know that he won best innovation sports business journal of the year for 2023 with the pitch clock? You don't think he wants to take his newfound popularity and the fact that he did something good out for a spin, double down, do more, make it better? Of course he does. Because as presidents and owners, that's what we want him to do. Keep making the game better so we make more money and our teams are worth more and we get more sponsors, more broadcasters. Keep going, Rob. Four mound visits instead of five. I actually wanted timeouts, not mound visits. How about the runner's lane to first base? That changed. Here's the amount of time I'm gonna spend on the rule change of the runner's lane to first base being widened to the infield grass, which means by about six to 10 inches. There it is. That's the amount of time. 12 seconds of silence. Cause that's the sound. All right. $1.16 billion. Hey, whatever floats your boat. Am I jealous? Not anymore, I don't work for a team. But I'll tell you one thing, not happy. All right, the question that I've been pondering right before we go to break, and I spent last night doing it in between episodes of Reacher, I was wondering what happens with the Dodgers now? How much pressure is on Dave Roberts? He's on the hot seat to start with. He's always on the hot seat, it appears. He's got two years left on his deal. The expectation of Mark Walter and Irvin Johnson clearly are for the Dodgers to win the pennant. Is there any doubt about that? They've got to come out of the National League. Anything short of that is an abject failure. But then you've got injuries, underperformance. You've got surprise teams. You've got teams that get hot during the playoffs. You have the vagaries of the playoff rounds. Even if you get the bye, which I expect they'll get, you still have to play a three out of five where the Dodgers learned last year, hey, you're not hot. Bets, remember what I said to you? when they lost to the Diamondbacks. If Betts and Freeman don't have a good series, you're out. And Betts and Freeman went like one for 69 during that three game series. Diamondbacks swept him and rode that wave all the way to the pennant. So is it realistic to have expectations for the Dodgers to win the pennant? You bet your bippy, anything short of that, nightmare. However, I am so positive they're not gonna win the pennant because it never works that way. The Braves didn't win the pennant last year and they were the best team by far. It's not even a fair wait to see. But one of my final wait to sees of the year, maybe my final wait to see Coca. I think this will be my final one. Are you okay with that? Given the signings of Shohei Otani and Yamamoto and Glasnow, given the fact that they've got Betts and Freeman, the Los Angeles Dodgers will not win the National League pennant. Wait to see. 
That is my final final. Wait, I already have that wait to see? No. All right, just cut that. On December 12th, I did that exact same wait to see. All right, ready? Give me a wipe. And 4869. On December 12th, 2024, I gave you a wait to see that the Dodgers will not win the pennant. And here we are only 10 days later with the addition of Yamamoto into the rotation. And I've got a new wait to see. I am doubly sure that the Dodgers will not win the pennant. That's right. It's a double wait to see. It's like belt and suspenders. Okay. Are we good, Coca? And that's our, oh no, we have 17 minutes left. I was taking a break early. We have to go to break. Have we breaked? I have not reviewed Survivor yet. All right, here's what we're doing. Sorry, I just got lost in my double down of wait to seize. When we come back, we're going to review Survivor Season 45. And then we're going to talk about what the NFL is doing this weekend. Because if you think that MLB's got the news cycle or the NBA has the news cycle, uh-uh, it's still the NFL. For the last time live this year, we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
Hey, it's David Sampson. I'm here with Matthew Coca, as we are every day at 9 a.m. live. Wherever you get your podcasts, if you're listening, thank you. If you're watching, subscribe, download, rate, review, tell your friends. Keep doing what you're doing because we're having a blast and we hope you are too. We hope over the course of this year, you learned a few things, had a few laughs, sort of squinted your eyes a few times. What the hell is he talking about? Maybe went to davidsampsonpodcast.com, got some merchandise for Hanukkah or Christmas or just to wear around the house. I've gotten scores of pictures from you all with your merchandise and what you're doing with it. I love the mug on the coaster scenario. I've got the coaster right here on my own desk, actually. That's the NPDS coaster. It's pretty good. Behind me, I have the N, oh, wrong way. Behind me, I have the NPDS Tumblr. I think that's still available. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. We've got all the shows, all the shorts, and the merch store. I just appreciate you all. The schedule next week is that this is our last live show. Today's Friday. Monday's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Coca will not work on Christmas, and neither will I. Tuesday, mailbag. Wednesday, mailbag. Thursday, a really fun mailbag with a bunch of year-end lists where I come to grips with how I did with my New Year's resolutions. Spoiler alert, mediocre with a capital M. Friday, no show. And then Happy New Year, Monday, January 1st. Enjoy your New Year's Day. Watch a few bowls. Have a few bowls. Enjoy a few bowls. And then Tuesday, January 2nd, we'll be here live 8 a.m. for the beginning of 2024. A couple nights ago, Survivor 45 ended. We've got a Miami winner, D1 Survivor, spoiler alert. She played an amazing game, even with a showmance with Austin. And I want to explain because as part of that show, they explained that Austin was an alternate. And I want to talk about Survivor a little bit and to tell you what being an alternate is. The way these reality shows get cast is that you go through a process. You take an IQ test, you have to get shots to go overseas, you have to meet with psychologists, you have to meet with medical doctors, you have to meet with Jeff Probst, you have to meet with Mark Burnett. You sit down and they talk to you about you, all the people who are trying to be who they're not, you're not gonna get cast, just be who you are. And they have 18 people who compete in Survivor, but, when you get on location, which is Fiji, you don't immediately start the game. There are multiple days prior to the game where you're again seeing the doctor, you're trying on your costumes, you're taking cast photos, you're meeting with the press who are there. All sorts of things are happening. Sometimes people either freak out or they get sick or they bail. Sometimes the casting department want to go a different direction. And you don't call on someone in the States and say, hurry up, get to Fiji. We're starting Survivor in 10 hours. Instead, what you do is you fly out 18 people who are the primary cast, and then you fly out alternates. Alternates come to Fiji with no feeling that they will be competing in the game, knowing it's like a bench player. It's like a bat on your bench. Or it's the guy who goes into the basketball game, Herb Williams, my main man where you go into the game in a blowout or if something crazy happens with foul trouble, you gotta be ready, you gotta prepare, you gotta get your shots, you gotta learn how to make fire, you gotta learn how to make shelter, but you know in the back of your mind that it's not all that likely, but stay sharp. And then the producers come up to you and they say, hey, you're in the game. 
And they did that with Austin. And he rode that all the way to the final three, all the way to a compelling relationship with both Drew and with D. Phenomenal season. Fascinating. Great characters. The casting department of Survivor is really something. They're putting together a show with characters. And they find characters who are genuine. It's really them. So for all the people who want to be on Survivor, A, you need to apply. But B, don't try to be something you're not. Because just be you. And it's either good enough or not. Okay. Survivor 46 starts in February. I can't wait. Do you know it was 10 years ago uh, this year that I filmed my season 28 of Survivor. And it debuted on February 26th of 2014. So season 46 will debut sometime in February of 2024, and it will mark a decade since I had the surreal experience. And a friend of mine, a glorious friend of mine in Las Vegas, her name is Jacqueline, she threw me a party for the first episode of Survivor, and I couldn't tell anyone that I was voted out because I didn't want to give up prize money, and you're not allowed to tell anyone. And so I had to go to this party because it was the debut on Survivor. And so I'm sitting there watching, thinking, maybe I didn't get voted out first. And then when I did the entire party, it's like in the movie Dave, when uh, something happens and there's an indictment or something and everyone leaves a party. All of a sudden the party's going, everything's great. And then the first person voted out as Survivor, Kagayan, David, silence. People going to the doors, staring at me. Are you okay? I can't believe it. I thought you won. That's a true story. Okay, what are you doing this weekend? Are you watching the NFL? While you were sleeping, the NFL is doing something this weekend that is absolutely staggering. And it should give you interesting insight into what their goal is. The NFL plays games, as you know, on Sundays. But then they had a Monday night game. That's pretty cool. And then they said, let's do a Thursday night game. So the week goes from Thursday to Sunday. So they have no games Friday or Saturday and no games Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday is the in-between week time. Week 11 ends Monday, week 12 starts Thursday. But then later in the season, they start with Saturday games. Is it no coincidence that college football is over? I digress. So you've got games Thursday and then Saturday and then Sunday and then Monday. On Black Friday, they said, how about a game on Friday? Okay, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That leaves us Tuesday and Wednesday. They got YouTube to spend a couple bill to get the red zone, to get the package. When does that become not a necessary investment for you? When do you not need that? When every game has its own national window. That's when you don't need it anymore. What's the use of the red zone if you don't have four games going on at once? Just watch the game that's on. The best value for the NFL is to have standalone national windows. And this weekend, they're giving it a whirl. There are seven games that have standalone national windows this weekend. Seven. It started last night with the Saints-Rams. We had the Saints plus four and we lost that bet of the day. Pick of the day. Saturday, there's two games, Bengals-Steelers on NBC, and then Peacock gets an only streaming game. 
like Amazon Prime's Black Friday game, only streaming. You want to watch the game, get Peacock. No alternative. And to make you feel good, we're going to go commercial free in the fourth quarter. NFL announced that like it's some unbelievable thing. Haven't you gotten Hulu or Netflix or Amazon where you pay a little extra to get no commercials? Don't you get all excited when the final round of the Masters, the last few holes, go commercial free? Except they still have sponsorships on the screen? Believe me, NBC is not giving up sponsorship dollars to give you a commercial free fourth quarter. What they are doing is doing something to make games crisper, more action. Will there be split screens? I bet there will be. Will there be reads? I bet there will be because bills have to get paid. NFL has to get paid. And then we go to Sunday, you get the Pats Broncos on NFL Network. And then Monday, it's a triple header, three games. The NFL is absolutely going after every day of the week. And the reason is that they have done the math and they realize that what broadcasters really want is the standalone audience. Having five games at one o'clock and then four games in the four o'clock window. And then you've got the national, you've got different sets of broadcasters, the national window, 86% of the country is going to get Cowboys, Dolphins, 14% is going to get the third announcing team. They're still professionals, but it's the third ranked announcing team. And then you're in that 14%, but you want to be in the 86% and you sort of feel like crap that you're not, though part of that is it's your home territory and your home team. The NFL is not stopping. So just be ready. Seven games. All right, pick of the day. We had the Saints plus four versus the Rams. That's a loss. But we had the Thunder over the Clippers. Clippers had won nine in a row. I told you back to back against the Thunder. That's it for the clip joint. And the Thunder won the game. So we are now 194 and 187. Many, many months ago, I gave you a wait to see that I would finish the year over 500. I'm now seven games over 500. And these are my last picks of the year. You can bet your bippy that I'm not giving you seven picks because were I to go 0 and 7, then I would not finish above 500. Therefore, I'm giving you three picks. If I lose them all, 194 and 190, we're winners. Except I want one of the picks to be the craziest pick of the day, sponsored by, wait till January, sponsored by David and Coca. We are doing a six team parlay in the NFL. Get out your pens because this is a winner. It's plus 1364 when we win this. And we don't need six teams to cover. We just need six teams to win because we're doing it on the money line. Start with the Bengals, then the Bills, then the Chiefs, then the Eagles, then the Ravens, then the Cowboys. Are you despondent? Do you think the Dolphins will beat the Cowboys? All right, we'll lose the parlay. Think the Niners will beat the Ravens? All right, then we'll lose the parlay. Think the Steelers will beat the Bengals? All right, we'll lose the parlay. I can't remember who the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles are playing. Oh, Eagles are playing the Giants. That's four of six, I remember, and it's not written here. Anyway, that's a 16 money line parlay. Again, that's Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens, Cowboys, plus 1364. Then on Sunday, I'm doubling down on one of the games because I love it. Cowboys plus one versus the Dolphins. 
I think the Dolphins are fine. I do. I think he'll probably play again. There's just something about the Dolphins that makes me say they're not going to Vegas. There's some great matchups this week, but we're taking the Cowboys plus one versus the Dolphins. Tonight, we're going to the NBA. Did you see that Jokic, there's a lot going on with Nike. I think Jokic just did a shoe deal with a Chinese company. Jokic just filmed a commercial for Hotels.com. He's finally getting some off-the-court revenue here in the U.S., which he should be getting, although he had to go overseas to get his shoe deal. But I love that he's doing that. Nike's trying to decide who they're going to pay for, who they're not. Tiger Woods is rumored to have his Nike deal expire, and he's going to go a different direction. Because no matter what, for the companies that do these deals, they've got to see some sort of ROI. And the more you're paying Tiger, the more sales that have to happen. Tiger, like any relationship, it can get stale, it can get old, and you're looking for something new, just so it feels good. The Nuggets are playing the Nets tonight. Hey, Coca, is Ben Simmons still on the Nets? Because I just read that Ben Simmons is out for a couple weeks, still with his back. Anyway, we've got the Nuggets minus four and a half over the Nets. That's another pick. I was going to talk about Zion Williamson. I don't know that I want to end the year on a Zion Williamson story, but it was fascinating. So I just want to mention it before we go. We got a couple minutes. Did you see that Zion Williamson, the final three years of his contract are not actually guaranteed the way we thought when he signed that extension? And remember when I told you that I couldn't believe the Pelicans were doing that? Why double down when you made a mistake and you gave Zion all of this money and you know he doesn't take care of himself? And I questioned the Pelicans. The reason I want to end on this is that I think it's so important with the platform that you've given me that I acknowledge when I'm wrong. And I manifest that in wait to seize, but also in bigger things. If the A's moved to Vegas, I was just wrong about how I thought that would play out. I was wrong to impugn the Pelicans front office because they didn't sign Zion to a guaranteed contract the way I thought they did. It just came out that in fact, the guarantee is based on a formula which is based on his health and conditioning. And if he's in violation, it's like 295 combined pounds and body mass index. The last three years become options, not guaranteed. How brilliant. A, that they did it, and B, that it kept quiet until now. When you have a situation with your star player where it's not working out, it's so hard to admit that you were wrong. The Zion Williamson pick is such an example where for the Pelicans to acknowledge and to manifest that acknowledgement in a contract structured like that, that takes a level of professionalism and a level of job security that is not common in our industry. One of the main reasons why GMs do what they do, why presidents do what they do or managers is that they don't feel as though they can look 10 years down the line. They've got to look tomorrow. They've got to prove themselves to the owner tomorrow to get the next deal, the next contract, the raise. But the Pelicans found a way to make Zion Williamson responsible for his actions. How refreshing is it if we were all responsible for what we said, what we did, what we ate, 
and we didn't try to pawn it off on somebody, blame somebody for what ills us. As we head into the new year, I encourage everyone to think about all the things we've talked about are nothing personal, all the things that I've learned from you, the way you contact me on davidsampsonpodcast.com or on Twitter at David P. Sampson, all of the moments where you teach me something I didn't know or tell me that you heard something in a way that I didn't intend to deliver it, I appreciate that. And we're gonna keep going. And until then, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Happy birthday, Grandpa. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.